Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. In episode 32, we discuss risk management as part of our occasional series on content strategy pitfalls. What are the risks involved when putting a new content strategy in place, and what can you do to minimize them? Hello and welcome to the Content Strategy Experts podcast. I'm Gretel Kinsey. And I'm Jake Campbell. And today we're going to be talking about risk management and all of the things that can go very right or very wrong in your content strategy depending on how you choose to address risk and handle it. So let's get started by just talking about some of the common risks that you might run into when it comes to changing up your content processes. And right off the bat, the first one I can think of is financial risk. Right. Um, Whenever you're changing processes or moving to a new system, there's always that upfront cost of moving into that system, transitioning everything over, and getting everybody trained up on the new process or system. And uh, one, of course, obvious way to kind of offset this risk or help make sure it doesn't become a problem is to start with an analysis of your content problems that includes a business case. And that way, you know, you may, you may find yourself avoiding a lot of nasty surprises about costs that you incur along the way as you upgrade your systems, upgrade your tools, and get things going into a new process. And we've actually done that with pretty much all of our clients when they come to us for the kind of upfront content strategy analysis. We always include a business case and we use our expertise to kind of help say, this is realistically what kinds of costs that you're gonna be looking at if you move to this new process. And uh, you know, not only what kinds of costs you're going to be looking at, but what kinds of return on investment you're going to get. And seeing those numbers kind of helps reduce the risk of making a financial decision that might not go in a direction your organization wanted it to go. Mm -hmm. And it's also kind of a good idea to go ahead and take a look at the financial impact because it might cost a fair amount of money to get into a new system, but also you need to take a look at the cost to stay in the system you're currently in. You might be trading an upfront cost for a sustained cost in the long run. Exactly. Uh, Another risk that we see that this one's not, you know, the hard and fast numbers, but it is something that can be a really big roadblock to a a new system or a new project is change resistance. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is a really common risk. And and we actually have another pitfalls podcast that focuses just on this problem uh, and on change management. So we can link to that in the show notes. But when it comes to resistance to change, that is such a huge risk because people do you know, get used to what they're doing. They grow really accustomed to their jobs working a certain way. And there's a a fair amount of security there. So when you make changes, it kind of disrupts that. Mm -hmm. and, And you run the risk of having people being very resistant to that sometimes. Yeah, and uh, the the thing that makes this really kind of insidious when you compare it to like a hard numbers kind of thing is that this isn't like something that you can just analyze and find a solution for. This is an organizational thing. You need to figure out who the people who are resisting it 
are and why they're resisting it and try to address that. And that's a lot more difficult to try and get a handle on than just running up a spreadsheet, taking a look at the numbers and doing a cost-benefit analysis. Yeah, this is something where people, uh, where you're going to have to go through your organization, look at the people who are going to be impacted and affected by this and exactly how, and really figure out what their concerns are before you start implementing anything new. Because we actually have seen several cases where you've got, you know, maybe one department or, or one level of management pushing a change but the actual people who have to work in the new system weren't really informed about it up front and didn't get the proper training or proper time to prepare. And then their resistance to that change, you know, in some cases refusal to learn a new tool or to change some of their inefficient processes from before would kind of railroad and stall out a project that could have gone really well otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely whenever I've seen change resistance be a problem on a project, the biggest roadblock has almost always been the kind of people who say, we've always done it this way. Yes. Uh, so if you know that you have people who are going to take that approach, if they're already kind of expressing that opinion when you tell them about your plans going forward, then it's really, really essential to account for that in your content strategy and budget time and funds for training and and really make a concerted effort to bring those people along and show them how the new system is going to benefit not only the organization but them specifically and and make them kind of as reassured as possible that it's not going to be the end of the world for how their working lives go because if you don't do that then they're approach to things may end up being the end of the world for your project and for, and for your new system. Right. And that's kind of what the real impact can be is that if you have this kind of problem going on, there's a lot of sneaky ways that it can subtly result in either cost increases or just straight up cost overrun on that project. Yes. Uh, another thing that we've seen is unexpected factors that pop up in a project. So this is something like you have maybe assessed some tools that you think are going to work for you and you've chosen one and then once you start working in that tool maybe there are some aspects of it that you didn't uh, you know either ask about clearly up front when you were assessing it or that they were you know maybe not completely honest on or clear on. Uh, there's also the issue of you can really get as familiar as possible with a tool kind of in a demo stage, but when it comes to actually using it with your content and not just in kind of a, a preview mode, but in real mode, that learning curve may be steeper than you expected. Um, there could also be issues like getting funding for a project that you, know, you thought was going to be in place and then maybe a new manager comes in and takes over and says, oh, no, actually, we're not going to earmark this money for this. We're going to do it for this other thing or for this use at this other time. Um, there can be all kinds of things that pop up. There can even be something like, I've seen an example of a project where uh, you know, we've, we've got different departments working toward the same goal but not really collaborating with each other. And then when one department decides to make a change without consulting the others, 
then you know projects that the other departments are working on get affected. So any of these kinds of things can pop up and be an unexpected factor that you didn't plan for when you put your content strategy in place. And there always is the risk of that. Yeah, n nothing ever goes 100% to plan. Yeah, and it it's really one of those things where the best way that you can make sure that doesn't become an issue is just to know up front that it's not going to go 100% according to plan and to maybe do things like build in extra time for an implementation um, so that you know, if, if something goes wrong, you're not under a really strict deadline. Working with consultants, you might be able to set up um, instead of flat fee or complete upfront, you may be able to set up milestone billing so that you know you can kind of plan when your milestones are and know when that financial is coming out so that it looks better on paper. Right, um, and that's another point to kind of bring in. Um, and you know, of course, we have a, a little bit of a biased opinion on this, but bringing in an outside consultant can help you identify risks that you might not see clearly on your own. So, when it comes to things like unexpected factors in a project, or you know, another one which is unexpected changes to an organization. So, things like the the management thing I mentioned earlier, where you've got you know, someone new coming in, or if you do a merger or an acquisition, any unexpected things that might come along, um, an outside consultant can kind of look at the patterns that your business has gone through before. They can look at what your goals are and where you're trying to get to, and they can kind of pinpoint maybe some risks that you didn't think about. And so that can be a good way also to keep those risks in mind up front and then come up with a plan for how you're gonna to try to minimize and reduce those as much as possible before you go forward with something. Yeah, it always pays. I mean, we've, we've all written before, um, and it's really hard to self-edit after a while because you're just too close to it. So it always is a pretty good option to see maybe if bringing in somebody with a fresh set of eyes to take a look at the situation objectively and to ask what might appear to be easy questions um, just so that you can take a look at that critically and know what you're actually doing and why. Exactly. So here's a fun question. What happens when you don't accurately assess your risk going into a project? Uh, well, just to be glib about it, a whole lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> a whole lot of fun in not a good way. <laughs> And we have, we have definitely seen examples of this too, where uh, you know, a company will come up with you know, a really good strategy sometimes before we even get involved, but what we end up doing is helping them realize, you know, here are all the risks that can come along that you didn't even think about when, when you put forth all of these goals. You know, it's, it's definitely one thing to think about what are your goals and, and what are the the things that you would like to achieve in the future with your content. But if you don't really address all the risks that can come into play, um, you know, whether that's that you're kind of, you very much underestimate the possible risk or you just don't even think about it at all, which we've mm -hmm. seen happen, then what you're going to run into is going into a new system and really a lot of things not going the way you expected them to. Right, and just to kind of like bring it to uh, a relatable level, 
Um, if you don't keep these kinds of things in mind, it is possible that, you know, if you have a content model that you've really thought out and you've, you know, got implemented, but maybe isn't the best, it it's probably going to work okay for you. Uh, it may not be able to scale well, it may not be extensible, um, and the worst case scenario is that you wind up doing a lot of special casing. Uh, like, say you have a FrameMaker template set up, um, structured frame, and your content model is very specific, but it requires a lot of like one-off use cases for special formatting and things like that. If you let that go on for long enough without going and just wiping everything and starting everything from the ground up with a stronger foundation based on what you want your content model to look like and how you want that to inform your structure, you could wind up with a literal tower of cards where if you do not author something in an extremely specific way, everything falls apart. Yes, and that's one major risk that you definitely want to avoid. Mm -hmm. Sustainability is should definitely be one of the cornerstones of a strategy when you're looking at implementing something new or shifting over to a new system. Because it's all well and good if you take a look at uh, a system or a process and it looks good on the financials, everybody agrees to do it. If you can't maintain that system in the long run in a way that's actually efficient, then you really shouldn't be going in that direction. Yes, and that applies to things like scalability for localization and expansion of your business as well. Uh, you have to make sure that whatever you're doing, if you eventually start translating it into a whole bunch of different languages for a lot of different locations, that your processes can scale up to support that. And you got to think about also if your organization rapidly grows and maybe you're creating a whole lot more content, or if you uh, maybe merge departments so that you've got training and tech comm sharing content now where they hadn't before. Can your processes that you've put in place scale and, and be sustainable to bring in this new growth? So those are the kinds of things to think about before you get yourself stuck going in one method and in one direction. So what can you do when you're coming up with a strategy to help mitigate some of these risks? There are actually two different things that I want to talk about. Um, one is the idea of going into a phased implementation of a strategy, and the other one is the use of pilot projects and proof of concepts. So let's just start with phased implementations and what those are and why they can be beneficial to you. So a phased approach is when you take an implementation and you break it into discrete chunks, each of which either stands on its own or builds upon what you've done previously. What that does is it helps you make sure that you stay on the right track as you go through the implementation and design process and also gives you a little bit of foresight as you go through to be sure that you can see these kind of unexpected roadblocks popping up during the implementation process and that you can account for them. So it helps you, you know, stay on your feet a little bit. Exactly. And we've actually seen several clients have a lot of success with this approach because what it does 
from the financial risk point of view is you know, it breaks your project up into small chunks, which means it breaks your billing milestones up into small chunks. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing something like uh, you know going from an unstructured content workflow to a structured content workflow, you may break it up where you know phase one is content modeling, phase two is conversion, phase three is selection and implementation of a component content management system and so forth. And of course, these phases are different depending on your organization's needs. But by taking it into smaller pieces and, and tackling it that way, instead of just trying to take on everything at once, then what it lets you do is not spend a whole bunch of money at one time on a project that may or may not be as successful as you thought. Because remember, nothing ever goes 100% <laughs> according to plan. So taking this phased approach is often a really smart way to make sure you can get buy-in from upper management to even get a project off the ground in the first place. Mm -hmm. And especially if you are in a smaller organization or you do have kind of limited funds or, or very strict limitations on the use of your funds, and, and you have you know, maybe time constraints where you actually do have to dedicate a lot of time to creating content and you can only carve out a small amount of time for changing your processes. Breaking things up into these smaller phases and you know, kind of taking your time with your implementation can really, really help. Yeah, and something else that a phase approach gets you is it helps you coordinate different groups. So say that you have different groups within your own organization who are working on a project. Um, phase one only concerns this first group, so the other groups don't need to worry about anything. Um, or they need to be kept apprised of what's going on because of what might affect them in the future and how that can affect their planning. Or say you're working with multiple vendors on a single implementation of something. Uh, if they have things that are part of the same milestone, that helps you organize who's responsible for what and allows them to work in parallel instead of them working independently, then throwing you the completed chunks of that part of the phase project and then completely relying on you in order to organize that and make sure everything fits together right. Yes. So really what a, what a phase approach does for minimizing risk is it helps you kind of take on each potential risk one at a time instead of having it, as Jake just said, all thrown on you at once. So that's something to really think about and consider when you are going to change your processes is, you know, is it feasible and is it actually better to take this sort of phased approach? And then of course the, the other way to really help minimize risk is by doing a pilot project or a proof of concept. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we've also seen a lot of clients do and really what that involves is it can be kind of done in a couple of different ways, but one that's really common is maybe taking a small subset of your content rather than all of it and changing the way that you create it. So for example, if, if we go back to the example that I just mentioned of going from unstructured content to structured content, and let's say that you have you know, 10,000 pages worth of unstructured content right now, instead of going ahead and migrating all of that over into structure, then for a pilot project, you would maybe say, let's take you know, 1,000 or 2,000 of those 10,000 pages, convert those to your new structure, 
see how that works, see what kinds of you know challenges or issues you run into, and then based on the success of that, go ahead and convert everything else. And this is, this is something that can fit really well into that phased approach because phase one might be a pilot. Yeah, and the thing that pilots are really good at is kind of getting you into that position to do a little bit of exploratory do a little bit of exploratory work. Um, it's generally easier to get buy-in on this from stakeholders because it's small, it's self-contained, there's relatively little risk if it doesn't go 100% to plan, and it can serve as the foundation for a lot of things. Um, if it goes really, really well and you can take that, you can point to it and say, look, this approach actually works. This is how we implemented it. These are the kind of issues that we came across, and this is how we dealt with them. And I mean, even if a pilot doesn't go 100% to plan, um, like maybe it only gets like 75% of the way there, you still have something you can point to and say, this is what we wanted to do, this is why it didn't work, this is how we can make it work, and since we've already done some of the work on it and we know now what we're kind of getting into, these are the kinds of projections we can make on what the cost is, whether in straight up dollars or in man hours or in any kind of like support contracts we might need in the future. Yes, uh, when you do your initial content strategy analysis up front and decide what your strategy is going to be, if you realize that you do have a lot of risk or a lot of unknowns going into it, then a pilot project really is one of the smartest ways that you can go about moving to a new system and, and really just starting with that one small version of your project before you make the full leap into everything else. When you get right down to it, what's really going to help you make sure that you're assessing your risk is to start small, figure out what works and what doesn't, try and figure out as many roadblocks as you're going to hit as possible, knowing that you're not going to be able to get all of them, and then slowly work your way into that project kind of move step by step, keep keep your eye on the horizon, and you know work in parallel as much as possible to make sure that you don't wind up working on a segment of an implementation and then just sit spinning and waiting for someone else to finish their part of that, that phase of the implementation as well. Exactly. And really, the biggest thing to remember, as we've said a couple times, is... Nothing, Nothing ever goes 100% according to plan. To plan. <laughs> so with that, I think we're going to close out. So thank you, Jake, for joining me today. And, no and thank you all for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links.